Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Exorgat Deus, Dissipentur, Enemici Eus, et Fugiancio, Devinteum, Apache Eus. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. I gotta tell you, I'm not entirely sure what I'm gonna talk about in this episode. Um, <clears throat> at least not overall. There's a lot of stuff going on, but it seems to be, seems to me, to be more important. And we just kind of talk about a few generalities of things that are happening. Uh, maybe point out a couple of things that, you know, most people would see as a coincidence, but, you know, maybe Catholics see something more like providence. And it's with that that I think we should begin. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in prayer. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolia sopraes sidium. Imperatili deus supplicas de pecamur tuque princeps militae caelestis, satana malios que spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum de trude. <coughs> Amen. <coughs> Cor Jesus sacratissimum, miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus domo Austriae, Ora pro nobis. Garcia Moreno, pray for us. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> it's funny. We don't, so we often hear, oh, it's been 70 years or whatever. It's been 80 years, uh, 60 years, etc. We We throw out these numbers. But if you were to take the average of the post-conciliar movement up until today, um, I think actually Kennedy Hall has it right. He just kind of said it in an offhand remark 
It's been right about 40 years. It's been about a generation. Now, we do, I suppose, live a little bit longer than we used to. Um, a generation doesn't fully die out in 40 years. The, um, <clears throat> but, <sighs> when, you give, when, when you look at the fact that the Second Vatican Council, and I'm using the council, I'm not talking about the council, um, but I'm using the council as the reference point. Uh, I'm not, I, honestly, at this point, I could care less about the council. We see the fruits. That's enough for me. Like I'm, I've, I've kind of come to a point where things have to be kept simple. You know, um, there's a statement by uh, um, a fairly good priest who's actually currently in the ministry, um, who who talks about fixism, um, where we kind of get fixated on a particular thing as the end all tell all of the problem or the end all tell all of the solution. And there is an end-all, tell-all of the solution. It is. It can be summed up in two words. Be Catholic. Now, there's more to it, obviously. you got to know what it means to be Catholic. But the objective is to be Catholic. Be Catholic, get your butt to heaven. That's pretty much it. You, if you can manage to do that, then you're probably going to do okay. Um, society will probably be better because of it. Your children will be better because of it. Your grandchildren will be better for because of it. Like, you see where I'm going here. Like, if you can just be Catholic, generally, I think that's going to be the fix. Um, but when you're looking at the problems with specificity, it is very correct to say that the problems are not just, oh, it was just the Freemasons. Well, no, it wasn't just the Freemasons. Well, it was just sodomy. Well, no, it wasn't just sodomy. Well, it, you know, it was... It was the, you know, Tillard de Chardin and modernists. Well, yeah, but it wasn't just that. You know, the Pope, during the rise of the modernist uh, coup, as, as they were building up and, and, and laying the groundworks for their, for their crescendo work in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council, you know, Popes have been saying, hey, no, 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 stop, no. Pope St. Pius X, <clears throat> Put out and put out a required oath for all priests against modernism. Did that work? Meh, no. Because modernists can lie. Because they because they don't they don't believe that the rules apply to them. That's the whole point of modernism, is that the rules don't apply to them. So did, was he able to eradicate modernism? Of course not. The Nouvelle Theologie managed to rear its up ug ugly little nasty French head. And I say French because it's in French, not because um, not because French are nasty. I don't believe that. I'm a member of the House of Bourbon. I can't believe that. That's part of my own house. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the Nouvelle Theologie is, in fact, French, and it is nasty, and it raised its head uh, during the Second Vatican Council. And it really ran amok after the Second Vatican Council. But was that the only problem? No. And it's really, I think, probably the reason we can point to all these things that we that are not Catholic, that are not endemic to the faith, that are not supposed to be, you know, in and around Catholicism. But you know, it's also not supposed to be around Catholicism. Lukewarm, lazy ass Catholics. That's also not supposed to be around it. And whether or not we want to really admit it, the fact is, is that the vast majority of Catholics 
during the 20th century were some lazy-ass Catholics. Now, in the early part of the 20th century, 19, you know, circa World War One, going into World War, you know, in that period between World War One and World War Two, there were surely some heroic people. Father w Willie Doyle actually comes to mind as a heroic saintly priest. Um, you know, and there were, of course, others. The Blessed Virgin Mary shows up and she's like, hey, shepherd kids, well, I'm going to show you hell and I'm going to show you exactly what you need to do and I'm going to give you a message to hand out to everybody. And we ignored them pretty much altogether. You know, and, and we, you know, Catholics, the body, the body Catholica, the Corpus Catholica, I think that's Corpus Catholici, maybe, anyway. The cat, anyway, the, the the body of Catholics, and I say, and and I'm referring to that not as the body of Christ, but the body of all of us who kind of think that, well, you know, we're good enough, right? You know who you are, and you know who they were. <clears throat> looking looking around, going, yeah, you know, maybe I don't, you know, I'm I'm good. I don't really have to do all these things, you know. I'm not I'm not causing the problem. Well, you didn't actually go out and 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 preach, did you? You didn't. Like, you kind of lived a good Catholic life, but you didn't really exude Catholicism, did you? How many of us just got lost in the mix? And by the time of the Second World War, I mean, let's face it, most of most of the world was not like, it's like, okay, you know, <clears throat> and this is probably my favorite deception of the devil to hate the most. Because he looks, because he manages to make us say, well, you know, we were doing that thing and then this happened, so clearly that doesn't work. Not really, you know, well, we were, you know, the world was going to the traditional Latin mass, and then the Second World War popped off. Yeah, you know, the world was going to the traditional Latin mass, and the world did believe what the Catholic Church taught, but they didn't practice it. I mean, seriously, how many heroes came out of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s? The numbers are thin, and they're largely relegated to those people who were in the midst, it, right at the at, right at ground zero, where all the suffering was. And in this particular case, I'm I'm speaking about like Saint Maximilian Kolbe, who was in Auschwitz. Like it doesn't get any closer to the epicenter than where he was. But you look at America. How many saints came out of America? in the 1940s and 50s. How many saints even came out of Europe at writ large during that time period? You can name them, like legit, you can name them. <laughs> I think there were only three, maybe six. <laughs> the ones who weren't caught in the midst of all that turmoil and, 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 and evil, the ones who weren't right there, in the, like right in the middle of all that, because obviously I'm not talking about you know Saint you know um, um, Edith Stein or Maximilian Kolbe, they were in the middle of it, but surely there had to be like a saint or two to come out of Spain. Surely, right? Maybe there was a saint coming out of Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, Africa. China. 
You see what I mean? The most of the rest of now, and it's not to say that there weren't, but let's be real. The most of the rest of the world wasn't exactly putting out saints like it was going out of business. And I don't mean to be too casual and too flippant about it, but but come on. It was our lukewarmness. It was our inability to suffer heroically. It was our inability. Like, we're like, oh, okay, we're going to do this, that, and the other. Oh, okay, cool. So we fought a war. Great. And we somehow think we're the good guys in that war, despite ridiculous amounts of evil that came through that war. See, we forget that it's possible that there are no good guys and that it could actually just be a bunch of bad guys fighting. And if there are no good guys, then we know the reason for the problem is because there were no good guys. And so we could tell ourselves whatever it is that we want to tell ourselves, but the fact is, there were no good guys. There were no heroic saints. It's not like we had the papal zwaves going to battle. It's not like we had the army of the Vendée going to battle. It's not like we had the Christiata going on. All of that had happened in the past, and we, as a people around the world, had largely forgotten. We all just treated it like, meh, no big deal, whatevs. And then you wonder how we got here today. And that was actually really the issue, is that we just kind of treated it all like it was no big deal. We had the Latin Mass, and then God took away the Latin Mass. He let that wicked council, and it wasn't, look, everybody who participated in the council didn't make it wicked. It, what made it wicked was the aftermath. It's the fruits of what came out. They went in with the best of intentions, like most people do, and then they came out and destroyed and basically inaugurated the auto-demolition of the church. We would lose 30, 40, 50,000 priests. We would lose 100,000 religious nuns and monks. We would lose pretty much all of the contemplative orders. Almost everybody. And the ones who would remain, what would happen to them? Oh, they would be persecuted. They would continue to reorganize and reorganize and reorganize the Curia until they could manage to find exactly what it is that they could do where they would have the hand, their hands, their grubby little nasty hands on all of the levers to manage to make sure that they could do whatever they could to extinguish the contemplative orders, the traditional orders, and the traditional Latin mass. And most people didn't see it. They were, and this is, And this is actually... Probably, if I were going to speak any condemnation on the boomer generation, this is actually the point, because most boomers started their lives with the traditional Latin Mass. My mother started her life with the traditional Latin Mass. I brought her to a Novus Ordo parish. I'm like, hey, yeah, this, that, and the other. Because I did not know when, because I didn't actually have enough of the history. We're sitting there, and she's like, yeah, that didn't seem like what I remembered. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then it would be about six months later, I would go to a TLM, and I'm like, oh, holy Moses, I got lied to. But she was there. She was there. My father was there. They were old enough to remember it, and you know what happened? They left, and they never went back. That's it. They... They fell away, and then when and and if if they even had an inkling to look back, all they had greeting them was freaking guitar masses, 
and freaking and 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 kumbaya and all that nonsense and a bunch of mealy mouthed effeminate priests who are more than willing to say, oh no, you're good just as you are. I mean, we're running into that fight now, big time. But you have to understand that these people, like everybody who are who are in Pope Francis's generation to between Pope Francis and maybe uh Bishop Strickland, because Bishop Strickland's really kind of the first of the Gen X bishops. You know, him and, and Bishop Barron, but Bishop Barron's got a long way to go. He's got to come back. I mean, the dude studied all of the beauty of the Catholic faith, and he's not fighting for it anymore. Like, what the hell? Anyway, <clears throat> I'm not throwing condemnation at him. I'm just marveling at, this is, the, this is like, Bishop Barron is largely the man who brought me brought me the beauty, the goodness, the the gorgeous, I mean, just the phenomenal, the, 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 I don't even have the words, man. He's the one responsible for putting me on a path, searching for all of the things that are beautiful in God's church. And he's not fighting for not a bit of it, by comparison anyway. And it bothers me because he is the one who, I mean, he's largely responsible for my catechesis. He laid the foundation. <clears throat> he laid my catechetical foundation. So I'm really annoyed with him on a personal level because this is a priest who I personally looked up to during my early formation. It's kind of personal with me, and I really, really want him to, like, ah, there's not another bishop better positioned There's not. The guy has a monstrous intellect. And I mean monstrous in the miraculous sense. Like the dude, if he would, if he would just toss the Nouvelle Theologie, the dude would be the next St. Thomas Aquinas. Ah, oh, it frustrates me so bad. Anyway. It's up there with Pope Francis. Pope Francis is the reason I'm in the church in the first place. Like, I know I've said it before, but I feel like it needs to be reiterated sometimes. Hey, why do you believe that Pope Francis is, is the Pope? Well, because he's the reason I'm in the church in the first place. And I cannot ascribe to him any enmity when he's the reason I walked through those doors to begin with. You're like, what? Him? Yeah, him. He's the reason I walked through the doors to begin with. And then Bishop Barron picked it up. Well, I mean, he was still Father Barron at the time. <clears throat> but Bishop Barron picked it up and carried the ball. And then I had a little bit of, hey, wait a minute, hang on, something's not quite right here. And then I just fell head over heels in love with sacred tradition. As soon as I got a chance to see it, as soon as I saw what was really going on, as soon as, soon as and I mean, like, let's be real, I'm in prison. I'm praying the rosary. I'm specifically learning how to pray the rosary in Latin when I first came in, when I first came into the church. Why? <laughs> well, I suppose you could say I'm I'm a European chauvinist because I always thought, or a, or a Latino chauvinist, I don't know how to put those words together. Anyway, <clears throat> you get the idea. I'm a romance not language chauvinist. And I'm not a big, particularly large fan of the, of the English language. <clears throat> I will tell you, as, as mas facil, 
para describir que, que yo siento en español que en inglés. It is much, much easier for me, to, for me to describe how I feel about this whole thing in Spanish or in Latin than it is in English. <clears throat> Not an Anglophile in the slightest. <laughs> Just is what it is, man. There's only one version of English that I like, and it's English epic. And we don't even use that language anymore, because at least then you still have the accusative, the nominative, and the genitive forms of nouns. <clears throat> of now, you know, your declension, you at least still have a few of the declensions left. Other than that, it's a barbaric language. But I am much more, I can't hold it against them. Like I said, Francis is the reason I'm in the church, and Baron is the reason why I'm a traditionalist. I mean, legit, he is, a re he is the principal reason why I am a traditionalist. And the fact that he won't defend Catholic tradition, and he won't defend the smells and bells, and he won't defend the beauty of our traditions, pisses me off to no end. And so I pray for him every day because I know he would be he would be a freaking church rock star if he just dumped that Nouvelle theology. All right, that's enough rambling on about that. Anyway, the um because <clears throat> that's a total sidetrack. <laughs> but if you look at the period of time, the boomer generation is basically the generation because they put the faith because legitimately, here's the thing. When all of these kumbayoids were busy talking about we need to find new ways to bring people into the church. Who are they talking about? Why do you think they're locked in the 60s and 70s? Think about it. On some level, these people realize they lost the baby boomer generation. And so they're like, oh, let's break out the guitars. And let's hold hands and pray the Our Father together and hold it and use the Oran's posture, despite the fact that that's only for priests. The, um, I think it's the Oran, yeah, the Oran's posture with your hands out and blah, 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 whatever. The, um, <clears throat> let's go ahead and do those things and um, we'll see if we can get them back. And they never did. Why? Because they didn't update the church. They made the church into a pale facsimile of the Beatles. John Lennon comes out and says, we're more popular than Christ Jesus. Well, he, actually, he said Jesus Christ in a blasphemous way. But, I mean, let's be real. He was talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He comes out and says that, and he was absolutely right. So what does the church do? They say they want a revolution. Well, they got one. And all the boomers knew that crap was cringe. And trying to match the world with the church. There's no more Salve Regina. Now it's on Eagle's Wings. I don't even think I've ever actually heard that song. And I'm really, really happy about that fact. Everybody, like all the trads talk about that song as like the reason, like the one thing they hate the most about the Novus Ordo Church. And I can't even tell you what that, what that song is like. I don't even know. Praise God. 
I don't even want to know. So if, if you guys decide to get creative and try to send me an email with a link to the song, I'm not clicking the link. All right? I'm just going to let you know right now. Ain't happening. <laughs> just, yeah, not... What is it George Bush said? Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> Ain't happening. I am not clicking that link. It's all there is to it. The... Um, <clears throat> <laughs> but you had garbage liturg liturgical music. You can't even really call it liturgical music. Like the whole point, the word liturgy implies something greater than. And there is nothing about guitar masses that's greater than. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm learning how to play a guitar. Obviously, I'm all about it on, on some level. Like, I like guitars. I like music that is set to a guitar. I love the sound of a guitar. A, a guy who can play the guitar is pretty is pretty darn cool. You know, I didn't know that the word guitar came from the Latin guitarra and that we're actually, I mean, like legitimately, this is a biblical instrument right here. So I'm cool with it. I love it. I'm all about it. But until somebody can play a really good rendition of the Ave Maria, with a guitar that sounds beautiful and uplifting and doesn't and doesn't sound like you want to raise the roof and start jumping up and down and swinging your shirt in the air <clears throat> ain't going to happen and don't get me wrong i'm sure there like legit i'm sure there's somebody who can do it But if you look at everything that came out of their generation, and it was, and it, here's the thing, and this is the thing that really drives me nuts. They did all of this noble, Novus Ordo crap specifically to try to keep my parents' generation in the church, and my parents could care less. They could care less about the Catholic Church. One of my parents, I believe, I personally believe, I don't know for sure, I just get this feeling that one of my parents is absolutely terrified about what they'll have to go through if they walk into the doors and find a traditional Latin mass and suddenly get their heart taken out of their chest, brought up to the altar and, and caressed by our Lord, and they're going to realize, oh crap, i got to change everything. Because they know and the other of my parents is still stuck on the fact that they've been doing it on their own for so long that they think they can still do it. We have conversations regularly about it. They are angry about the things that have been taken from them. But does that get them through the door? No. Busy going off everywhere else. I mean, and what's wild is they know they're coming to the end of their life. They can feel it. They can sense it. They just got out of the hospital. I would ask that you pray for them. And notice I'm being nonspecific in this particular case. One of my parents does listen to the podcast. The other of my parents does not. <clears throat> It's disturbing. 
because they can recognize that there's something gone. And the church has done everything that it can to try and bring them back. In fact, the church has done so much to try and bring them back that it poisoned the well for everybody else who was already there, everybody who was perfectly content with the traditional Catholic faith, with just being Catholic, everybody else who was perfectly content with being inspired and cajoled and nudged and poked and prodded and whipped and scourged into trying to become great saints. It did take a little bit of everything, if you really think about it. Some of us took a little bit more beating than others to decide that, they, hey, yeah, no, actually, this is where I want to be. Some of us were a little bit more obnoxious about it. We're like, nah, I don't know. Some of us were like, hey, you should probably do that. And we're like, oh, yeah, let's do it. I'm so jealous of those Catholics, the ones who are like, hey, by the way, this is a better way to go. And they're just like, oh, I'm on it. Let's go. Totally jealous of those Catholics. I am not that Catholic. I'm the Catholic that God had to take a guitar and beat me over the head with it. And they're like, yo, take your punk behind a church. You know that thing you were looking for? Oh, speaking of things that we're looking for. Um, I I start I opened this up saying I didn't really know where we were going to go with this. So, if I'm jumping around, I suppose you're along for the ride because you knew at the be I told you at the beginning. And you can't say like no fair, you didn't hold a single thought all the way through the whole hour. Yeah, I told you I didn't know what I was going to talk about today. Um <clears throat> speaking of two things. One, speaking of trying to lay lay I suppose you could say lay out the red carpet for people who had no idea that this is have no idea this is where they want to be. I suppose now's a good time to point out one of the things that actually happened with Pope Francis is part of that is actually part of the reason. See, I spent 30-ish years, plus or minus, largely outside the church. I was an atheist, I was an occultist, I did all sorts of nasty things, that, you know, um, pretty much with the exception of the abortion aspect of uh, committing crimes that call out to heaven for justice, all of the other ones pretty much participated in um, to some degree or other. The <sighs> Francis actually opened the door with the whole who am I to judge? That's what even put the Catholic Church back on my radar. Now, admittedly, I'm a unique one. Like, oh, hey, the door's open. Well, let me go find out what they believe. And so I picked up a catechism and I started reading and I'm like, oh, you know, that makes perfect sense. And keep in mind, I was also an occultist at the time. So while I was learning a completely new lexicon, Francis also had this tendency, and he just did this a couple of weeks ago. I, suppose, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, for reference, you can swing over to Dr. Anthony Stein's channel on YouTube at Return to Tradition, where uh, he comes out and said, uh, was it, I think it was the video where he went, came out and crushed the dreams of the modernists. I think it was that live stream. Because he, he later on, he actually reads this other thing where um, that, Fran, uh, that Francis said, and he's talking about um, the church being female, being feminine. Um, and I immediately recognized the language. 
Now, for most everybody else, and even and and um, and Dr. Stein does not have the same background I do, so I don't I don't blame him for missing it. You, this is one of those things you have to have. You have to have the lexicon through experience in other places to really catch what actually happened. All right, so now you all know. Let me before I go too far. There's some things I got to lay down here first. You know, I am fair. I am fairly certain that the Pope is a communist. Okay, um, I do believe he's also Christian. Like he believes in Christ, but because he's a materialist. He doesn't have a full under like he doesn't have a fully adequate understanding. <clears throat> and I think God is actually using this to the good. Because there are people who might listen to the Pope's quotation, uh, particularly that that speech. I, I think it was an interview that he was giving. He was talking about the church and its place and how and its voice and etc. and a whole bunch of stuff that for most Catholics, especially for traditional Catholics and cradle Catholics, especially. If you're a cradle Catholic and you're coming into tradition, you're looking at this going, what is this nonsense? And I get it. I understand. I understand. Like, it sounds like gobbledygook. Okay. Um, the thing is, is that his language, I'm familiar with deeply. Okay. <clears throat> I spent time studying um, the, or the Ordo Templi Orientis. I spent time studying... Um, Rosicrucianism. I spent time basically being kind of Freemasonic Satanist adjacent without actually diving in. And so the lingo is familiar to me. I also spent time as a, as a hermetic occultist. Herm, not eremetic. Don't, don't get it twisted. It's not like a hermit, but hermetic, like hermetic magic, hermeticism. Um, and as, and as a uh, spiritual and literal um, alchemist, actually going through those exercises. So, like, I spent a lot of time in the occult. Um, and I've studied uh, the Kabbalah and, you know, the, the Tree of Life and or the Ten Sephirod and all of that. Like, I've been down all of that path. Um, and so, as I'm listening to the Pope, as I'm listening to Dr. Stein read the Pope's words, and this is the funniest part, I'm listening to a traditional Catholic read a materialist Pope, and you can tell... Dr. Stein is not, he's, he's not glomming onto any of this because the lexicon that the Pope is using is not the lexicon of Catholicism, it's the lexicon of occultism. But, it's like, well, he's speaking like an occultist. I can hear it right now. It's like, everybody's just like, no, the Pope is a Satanist. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. That is not what I'm saying at all. The Pope is a materialist, which is bad enough, I suppose you could say. But he's using the language of the occult to tell occultists that thing that you're chasing after more than any other thing is actually in the Catholic Church. And this was a realization I had. Because as I was, because so like I'm reading the catechism and I'm reading doctrines and dogmas, etc. And I'm kind of going through all of these things, a lot of assorted, whatever, like assorted texts. I don't remember everything I was reading at the time. I know I was very heavy into the catechism. Um, and particularly on the books that the, the very few texts that I had available to me 
um, regarding the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, these things were enlightening and they sort of peeled and and the um, the multi-level paradox and mystery between the Blessed Mother and Holy Mother Church and all of like all of those associations. Now I'm trying to speed through them without getting bogged down because I could spend hours talking about this. Um, but as I was peeling all of those things apart and I'm looking and I'm diving deeper and one of the things, that, I mean, this was one of the things that really made my faith concrete was that all of those things when I was studying Gnosticism and Hermeticism and, and the Kabbalah and all, and, all of these occult, and all of these occultic things, as I'm peeling apart the doctrine and dogma and dogmas, in particular the dog, the, doc, the uh, dogmas about the Blessed Virgin Mary, and I'm slowly discovering that the secrets that I've been looking for for most of my adult life were actually right here in the Catholic Church. And had the Pope come out and said exactly what he said and what Dr. Stein was recording. I could have shortcutted a whole bunch of stuff. He would have simply said, hey, by the way, there's this thing. And I would have been like, oh, really? And then I would have looked and then I would have found that the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Ark of the New Covenant, the Mother of God, the Bride of the Holy Ghost, the Daughter of God the Father, the very emblem of Holy Mother Church, That is what occultists are looking for when they're searching out for the sacred feminine. That is the Shekinah. That is the, that is the hood. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's the thing that they're looking for. And we're all searching for it. That's why there's a whole set of disciplines in Gnosticism and and Hermetic Magic. That's why there's a whole set of disciplines in alchemy about it. There's a whole bunch of teachings about salt and light. Particularly in alchemy. Like everything, all of the things that I was looking for that I that I was doing these deep dives in occultic knowledge as soon as I became a Catholic and as soon as I started getting closer to tradition it was literally just going through a checklist of hey I found this I you know I found the elixir of life I found the philosopher's stone I found the sacred feminine I found item after item after item things that I've been looking for searching re- researching everything And if you're a materialist, then you use the lingo that, that the Pope used. And if you're an occultist, you use the lingo that the Pope used. And so when the Pope throws that out there, believe it or not, and I mean, let's be real, all of the stuff he's doing in sacred tradition is an absolute horror show. And I don't even, and I'm starting to, I'm not so sure. I'm not even so sure anymore that his heart's not in the right place. I just think his brain is completely tweaked. Because he's not a theologian. He came up under communists and Peronists. I can tell by his lexicon, the words he uses to describe certain things. And he's not a particularly smart guy. I mean, he can't read a room. You know, you got Bill Clinton trying to coax a blessing out of the Holy Father and he's like, hey, yep. And, and the Holy Father is legit just straight like, hey, yep, good luck. Good luck, guys. <laughs> yeah. and, and it ended up being Bill Clinton who said to the Holy Father, well, God bless you. <laughs> and I honestly think that the Holy Ghost is kind of like sitting there going, yeah, no, you're not going to do. You are not giving the apostolic blessing to Bill Clinton. That's not happening. Because from time to time, I don't know if you pay attention to this. But from time to time, he sounds totally, perfectly orthodox. And there, and it's not about... <laughs> it's not about what he says. It's just when you think he's going to go the full retard, he hits the brakes and just doesn't. I mean, he has said so many things where you look and you're like, no, no, no. And then you look and you go, really? That's where we're paying attention? And then you watch, and he's about to step over the edge, and then he goes, no, of course women can't be ordained. And everybody just kind of, skirt, what? Did the Pope just defend the Catholic faith? Did that just happen? Because we're more up, like, as traditionalists, we're more surprised when when he does defend the Catholic faith, and we're not really terribly surprised when he's going after anybody who's trying to live the faith. But that's kind of how you can, you can almost tell that he's not... 
It appears to me on some level that the Holy Ghost is interfering, his guardian angel, and remember, okay, so we each get a guardian angel, and typically there's a guardian angel for a family, and there's a guardian angel for a parish, and there's a guardian angel for a diocese, and there's a guardian angel for a city, for a state, for a country, etc., right? Well, surely there's at least a couple of guardian, guardian angels that are hovering around the Pope. So you got the one for the Vatican City State, and then you got the one for the Holy See, and then you got the one for Rome, for the you know, for the Episcopacy of Rome, and then there's one for the parish for, for St. John Lateran, the actual church, and then the, and then of course Pope Francis has one himself. So ostensibly there's no reason why he wouldn't have at least five guardian angels at you know, I mean, granted, you know, most of the time they're probably going, Oh, geez, are you serious? Ugh. But occasionally, but occasionally you can kind of see the mom arm, you know, that just kind of reaches in and stops and goes, nope, you're not going to say that next thing. That next thing is too far. And I got to be honest with you, having seen his face and actually watched his mannerisms when he's talking about some of this, I honestly think he's not aware. Like, I don't think he knows. He just reaches a point, he stops. Because you can't, because there's no sign of frustration on his face. There's no sign of guile most of the time. Like when he's about to go full retard and then doesn't, you don't see a sign of guile where he's like sitting there going, no, I'm not going to say this because this would be the bridge too far that would have a whole bunch of everybody calling for my head or whatever. Like you never see that look on his face. He's very intent about this, that, and the other. And then he just kind of hits the end. And, and it's almost like he goes, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess the best way to describe it in particular, because we're coming to the end of the conversation, like um, the, the video where he's having the conversation with Bill Clinton and they're talking about the things that they're trying to do for the Great Reset. And I mean, they never said the words Great Reset, but let's be real. It's all the same crap. So I can use all those words interchangeably. It's not that serious. Um, but Bill Clinton's sitting there and all of a sudden it looks like legit. The Holy Father looked like he just got slapped with a case of Down syndrome and completely did not read the room that that was what he was, that, that Bill Clinton was trying to get a blessing from him. And so he literally, he's just smiling, waving, going, good luck. And it was ridiculously entertaining. I almost, like I'm watching the video, I almost fell out of my chair laughing my butt off because, <laughs> because all of a sudden Pope Francis was transformed into Pope John the 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, boom, just in a flash. <laughs> and I can only credit that to the to his guardian angel. I can only credit that to, to his guardian, to one of the guardian angels that's assigned to him. <laughs> it's like, we're going to strike him stupid for a moment to make sure he doesn't go full retard. And that seems to be like legitimately, that seems to be what happens from time to time. From time to time, it's almost like somebody else is piloting, piloting his mouth. And it's and it seems more like it's God. Um, a lot of people, like, for example, uh, next thing, I've watched very closely. We're going to go back to the start of this whole nonsense in, in uh, 2019 with the with um, what you call it, the, the, the event, the Pacha event in the Vatican Gardens. I've watched the video. They're doing this stuff. He's standing there looking and he doesn't have like a legit, like he's not appalled and he's not smiling. 
So he's not celebrating it. He's not condoning it. He's just looking. And there's this look of concern on his face the whole time. And he was supposed to actually give a speech. And it was supposed to be a whole big, uh, a whole big schmeal that was supposed to happen. And they got done. And then the attention gets brought to him. And I'm not even joking. He literally, he crosses himself. He says the Our Father, and then he's out. You watch the video of when it's happening. He's not sitting like, I mean, it's very different. Than, uh, what was it? It was, um, I think they were in the Paul VI Hall. And you got that one naked, well, mostly naked dancer. He's like, yeah, and he's all happy, smiling, this, that, and the other seemed to be having a good time. Completely different than when they were in the Vatican Gardens. Vatican Gardens, he's standing there, he's looking, he's kind of, you get this look of concern that crosses, crosses his face, and then he ditches his comments, prays the Our Father, and he's out. And everybody else is just like, ah, I can't believe he did this! Ah! I don't think he's as gone as everybody thinks he is. Honestly, I don't think he's, like, don't get me wrong, you know, it's meeting with all the wrong people and this, that, and the other. I got it. I got it. But just watch everything. Because every so often, the Catholic in him pops up. And he just goes, yeah, no. No, that's stupid. That's impossible. <clears throat> I don't think the Curia has the right idea. Um, if you go back in the archives, I don't remember exactly how far back it is. I think it's like, if you go to RadioFreeCatholic.com, the archives, uh, what's left of my archives, um, at least in the last year or so, if you go back a little bit in the archives, there's, there's a podcast episode that I broke with my own tradition and I just opened it up fully with scripture um, and it was a particular psalm if I remember correctly I could be mistaken I, I honestly don't it's been a while since I've been back and, and, and I don't go back and listen to my podcasts because I don't like to hear me talk I don't know how y'all put up with me but you know you guys have been pretty consistent so I must be doing something right. I just don't hear it myself. So um, I don't tend to go back to my own podcast. I don't spend a lot of time editing. I try to do everything in a one-off because I don't want to hear me. <laughs> like legitimately. I did, um, it, like I have a YouTube channel um, and it is Radio Free Catholic on YouTube. And no, I'm sitting there editing my videos, listening, trying to cadence out everything that I'm putting in. And I'm listening to myself talk and I'm just like, no, I can't do it. I only did, I think I did like eight videos before I finally was just like, no, I can't do this anymore. <clears throat> the, I think I should have actually just put like a drawing and just boom, boom, screen, add, vid, add audio and just let it go. Um, I think that would have been better. I did think I did a couple like that too. The, um, But I broke with my normal tradition because I don't very often dive straight into Scripture and spend a whole episode on Scripture. But it was a particular day where the reading was cut down in the Novus Ordo. 
And it was the perfect reading for people in the LGBT and more specifically the T, the transgender part of the movement. It was a perfect reading for those people, for that group. For anybody who, you know, maybe they don't consider themselves part of the LGBTQIA plus yada yada. I don't even know how big, how long that, I think it's TQ, whatever. I don't care. Anyway, the rainbow community. The people, the people who are like, yes, I'm one of you, but I'm not part of your community because you people are psychos. It was a reading for them. That the church just skipped over the most pertinent parts. And I know why they skipped over those pertinent parts. Either A, they didn't think it was very necessary, or B, you know, they wanted to be accompanying or whatever. I, when I look at the things that are going on in the church, it seems like there are two churches with one pope who's trying to figure out exactly what's going on with the other church and who knows that he spent so much time hating the church he actually got elected for um, and pre-Vatican. Because I don't know if you've ever read his bio, but his bio, like, he did not, I don't know, he was a weird one. He had a weird time. You know, he's got a personal vendetta against rigidity. Because he's been wounded by it. But somewhere in there, he's still a Catholic. It's a Catholic who's been lied to for the last 50 years. And make no mistake about think about this for a minute. The Second Vatican Council popped off in 1960. What is it, 60 to 63, if I remember correctly? So we're looking at the 60th anniversary now. This priest had been lied to for 50 years. Hanging around Peronists and this, that, and the other, and, and dealing, and all of these, and just generally not having a good time of it. And by good, I mean holy time of it. Not taught why suffering is good. Not taught why some of the things that are in place are. And then he's in a country that has rampant communism, and so he ends up falling into materialism. But there's something about the way he talks. From time to time, he just goes ultra-Catholic. From time to time, like you've said it, because you've seen it. If you've ever been watching some of the other stuff, like there are a lot of podcasters who the Pope will pop off in the mouth and say something, and the podcasters sit there going, I can't believe I believe, I, I can't believe that I agree with the Holy Father right now. This is amazing. More of this, please. I've heard it countless times. Occasionally, Pope Francis will pop off with something that's so very Catholic that you're just like, yes, finally. And then the very next sentence is something materialistic and something maybe influenced by the occult and something just completely nonsensical and you're just like, no, why? But I do believe that somewhere deep down he really wants, like he legit wants to be Catholic. Which is why I think he's the Pope, which is also why I pray for him. 
Because if we can just get, again, like I said with Bishop Barron, if we just get that Nouvelle Theology, if we just get the Peronist garbage out, I believe that Francis would be a good pope. What he's talking about oftentimes when he's talking about young priests going and they're picking and they're trying on their 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 cassocks and they're trying on their their saturnos and they're trying and and they're trying on the alb and you know the alb and the uh, uh, the surplice and all this and the lace and this that and the other from a mo- not from a modern from a communist standpoint a Jesuit communist standpoint at that I mean Pope Francis took a vow of poverty. The vow of poverty, I think, is probably the one thing he believes in more than that. Like, I, like legitimately, I honestly think he believes, like, he wants to follow the three, you know, the three vows taken by Jesuits. And to a degree, it's a, to to a degree with him, it's a show, to be sure. But the you have to remember these things are in his foundation; they're in his formation. So I don't think he's—I don't think he's looking at at the priest, the young priests who are trying on their cassocks and the fancy and the fancy surplices and this, that, and the other. I don't think he's looking at it from a—it's a bad thing that they're trying on their cassocks. I think he's looking at it from a cassock is like three hundred dollars, and the priest is trying on this cass cassock to see how to see how it fits him in this, that, and the other. And in the same, and, and in particular, and this is one of the things, because he mentions it, but he, he doesn't directly, he implies it, because I've, and I've been watching some stories uh, come out, in particular, like with the Jacobin magazine, Jacobin-type magazines, where they're talking about how you've got St. Peter's Basilica. Through, they took a picture, and through the columns, you can see St. Peter's Basilica. And then in between the columns, there's a homeless guy sleeping on the sidewalk, homeless. And they're juxtaposing this giant church, this cathedral, the basilica, with all the, I mean, with what appears to be a golden roof and all of this precious artwork and all of these treasures from from a, from 2,000 years of, of patrimony. And there's this homeless guy. And the Jacobin, being a materialist, goes, I don't understand how that is allowed to exist at the same time this is allowed to exist. How can you have, how can you have in the capital of the church itself, the most wealthy location, the most opulent looking location, and you've got homeless people on the streets in the shadow of the basilicas? And so I think when Francis is looking at the priests, the young priests, who are trying on their Saturnos, which costs like $150, $200. And they're trying on their cassocks, which is like 300 bucks. And then they're trying on all of the, and they're trying on all their clerical attire. And in all honesty, by the time you get to the end of purchasing all that stuff, you spent close to two, maybe $3,000. And it's the same streets. It's on the same streets with these stores. That there are homeless people just living on the sidewalk wrapped up in, 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 in shoddy wool blankets, trying not to freeze to death. And I think he sees 
those two things and it disgusts him. And I'm not certain he's wrong. I'm partially certain he's wrong. Like I'm like I'm I'm not fully certain. Like I, there's a part of me that says he's absolutely wrong about this. He's not seeing the whole picture. But when you take those two things and you place them right next to each other, and here's a priest who's probably going to make, I don't know, with a stipend, maybe twenty dollars or $30,000 a year, but he's going to have the fancy dress and the fancy clothing and the fanciness that comes with being a priest. And that's happening 20, 10, 20, 30 feet away from a guy who doesn't even know where he's going to get his next meal. And I got to be honest with you. If I had that perspective, I might be bothered as well. I don't have that perspective. I believe there are things that can be done about it differently than what Fran than the direction that Francis has decided to head in. But if I had that perspective, every day I saw it, that would bother me. It would, honestly. Now, what's the alternative? Well, Francis is trying the alternative, and it's aggravating a lot of Catholics who just want to be Catholic. Because, yes, the cassock is expensive. Yes, the Saturno is expensive, and maybe it's more expensive than it needs to be. And yes, all of these liturgical vestments, the better ones, are really expensive. But my God is king of the universe. There's nothing I wouldn't do or try to stretch out and reach to do to make sure that he got properly his worship. And so I don't want to see priests in business suits. I want to see priests in cassocks. I don't want to see bishops in business suits. I don't want to see business suits. If the church tomorrow said, we're getting rid of everything that's not the cassock, I'd be okay because at least... We'd be rid of those stupid-looking suits. Oh, but they're comfortable. No, they're probably not, honestly. They're really probably not. Not by comparison. I don't want a priest who looks like a businessman. I don't want a priest who looks like he belongs in a boardroom. I want a priest who looks like he belongs at the altar or in the confessional. I want a priest who's walking down the street and people walk up and just say, Father, can you give me a blessing? Because they know it's a priest. And I'm fairly certain that God, who issues out his vocations, who calls his priests and his monks 
and his nuns to be separate from the world, I'm pretty sure he wants them to not dress like everybody else. I mean, he spent a lot of time in the Old Testament lining out what his priests need to look like. And the church spent a lot of time figuring out exactly what it is her priests should be wearing. And the business suit is not it. Oh, we need to try and match ourselves with Protestants. No, the hell we don't. We're Catholic. They don't like the fact that we're Catholic. Whatever. Come back to the faith or go to hell. Extra ecclesia nulla salis after all. Now, if you notice, honestly, there's a part of me that legit can't believe I spent this much time defending the Pope. Now, notice, I'm not saying that what... <laughs> I'm not saying that he used a Catholic lexicon. I'm not saying that he was infallibly teaching the faith. I am saying that for those who have ears to hear what it is that he has been saying recently, and for all of you guys who are cradle Catholics or who are never occultists, never communist, never materialist in that to that degree, I don't ex honestly I don't expect you to hear it. I don't expect you to catch it. I don't expect you to be tracking that particular like that type of verbiage. And honestly, so when Dr. Stein was actually reading it off and then he had his take on it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, hang on." And I backed the video up to listen to what the Pope said again to make sure I heard what I thought I heard. And I read along with the text and I'm looking at him going, he has, he, meaning Dr. Stein, has no idea who Francis is talking to right now. Francis is not talking to him. There's a whole segment of people. Legitimate, I'm not even joking. In the aftermath of Pope Francis, in all honesty, I would not be surprised if there were many Freemasons and occultists who hear that and eventually come moving towards the Catholic Church. Now, Francis said what he said in 2013. I didn't actually start making my move towards the church until 2015. It did take some time. It wasn't like, oh, he popped off in the mouth and said, who am I to judge? I'm like, nah, okay, cool. I just said, like, literally, I heard it, and I just kind of logged it in the back of my head. And later, it came up again, and it was like, oh. Yeah. This whole Catholic Church thing, this is actually the one true thing. These people believe everything that I had to learn, that I had to, and I was, and actually, it was pretty much from that moment that I was really, really sort of increasingly embittered for a while about the fact that if somebody would have just told me, I would have been a Catholic from the start. Like, if I'd have had, from the beginning, from, you know, from my baptism on, so I was baptized about five-ish months after I was born, 
Um, but if my parents would have actually raised me in like a, like a society chapel, I would have never left the faith. Never. I would have been a, like legitimate. I would have been a priest. Because they couldn't like legit. Hey, here's all of the stuff. Okay, why? And I literally, and I could have growing up. <coughs> excuse me. I tried to get to the button to be able to mute that out, and it didn't work. <laughs> if I would have had access to everything that the church just has, and this is the key thing, like a lot of it, well, well that's kind of Gnostic, isn't it? No, actually, you could just research. Like, you can find the books. You can find the saints who are talking about it. Like, it's not terribly difficult, especially not today. The church has the, we've got the record. We've got all the receipts, man. And it's open for anybody who wants to look at it. And if I'd have just, if somebody would have just told me what Catholicism was and what it was all about, and not the Novus Ordo crap, I'd have fallen away from the church too. What, you think guitar band is going to keep me in the church? No, man. I'm going to go off and go find some other stuff. Probably get my dumbass possessed by a demon or something trying to find, you know, something bigger, better than guitar mass. I eventually ended up, and I would have eventually ended up back in the faith. I mean, you know, like the, all roads do lead back home after all. But they would have just told me, you know, bring me up on the catechism of St. Pius X. Bring me up on the, cat on the Baltimore catechism. And this is what we believe. This is why. You want to know more? These are the people you need to look at. These are the, these are the books you need to read. This is the stuff you need to go find. This, these are the type of priests that you want to talk to. I'd have never left the faith if there'd have been somebody there just to say all that. Because then somebody could have come at me, oh, you're one of them. I'd be like, yeah, dude, and you're one of them. I'm going to tell you right, and I would have just completely rocked their whole freaking world and obliterated their little Gnostic heresy garbage or their occultic whatever. I'm like, yeah, dude, you don't have it, you, and I know exactly what you're looking for. I say that, in all honesty, I'm pretty stupid, so I probably would have, would have like, I would have just held to the faith and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, realistically speaking. Most of my friends who are like who are cradle Catholics, like everybody I know who's a cradle Catholic, they look and they go, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. You're like on this other wavelength. And I know part of it's because I've been through hell. Like I took the guided tour. <laughs> and it's a different world outside the gates of heaven. It's a different world outside the church. It really is. I say all of that to say basically this. If you're a traditional Catholic and you think you're and, and you think, well, oh, I've given up on this, that, or the other, don't. We have been given the power to move mountains. And 
We have been given the power to save souls. We've been given all of these gifts because God wants us to go out and, like, He wants us to go raid hell for the souls that the devil has in his grasp. He doesn't want us to go through chastisements. I think one of the things for this last week has been a lot of people have been talking about Jonah, the sign of Jonah and what Jonah actually means. And what Jonah means to me is that if we stop acting like Jerusalem during the time when God was about fed up with the, with the Jews, just before he sent the Babylonians, like, I'm going to send the Babylonians and take, you in, and take you into captivity. If we stop acting like Jerusalem in those days and instead act like Nineveh in the time of Jonah and actually repent and pray and do penance and put on sackcloth and ashes and actually do the things that we need to do to be Catholic, I honestly believe that this crap that we're about to go through, we might could still stop it. You know, we'll, there's some of the stuff we've, it's already happened, and we're going to have to deal with the consequences of those things. But there's so much more that we haven't gotten to yet. We're not at a third world war. So maybe we should sacrifice and do penance. Maybe we should pray and fast. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we should act like Catholics. Not just small C Catholics going about the world, oh, yeah, no, I should be good to go. I'm not talking about those lukewarm retards. I'm talking about wake people up and remind them and say, hey, this stuff can be stopped. And it can be stopped miraculously. And I think really, if I was going to blame Protestantism for anything, it'd be the death of the miraculous. Because we don't even expect miracles anymore. But it was a miracle, a series of small nudges, that brought this inveterate sodomite sinner to the one true faith. To turn around everything to upend all of it. To ditch the occult. I mean, talk about immense cosmic power. You do understand that one of the promises of the occult is power over the material fabric of reality, right? I mean, it comes at a cost, to be sure. But all of those things I gave up because this is the truth. Because this is where salvation is. And because as much as I wanted to fight back against it, the fact is I know deep down in my soul, there's one in all the universe who I belong to. And he was made man. Born of a woman suffered in the very same life that I did, suffered under very similar circumstances to what I did, walked with a suffering people who were largely just like me. And then got spit on, insulted, calumnied, accused, and murdered. And he did it 
for me. He's sitting in the in the garden going through his agony and he sees me. And that God-man in that moment committed himself, said, not what I will, but what you will. Speaking, speaking to his heavenly father, despite the fact that he didn't want to drink the cup. And he walked to his death for me and for you and for all these other people who don't even know his name, who don't even understand who he is, and who don't even comprehend why he would establish his church. And we have an opportunity to change that understanding. We have an opportunity to bring that gospel out to the world. The Lord wants to reclaim the eunuchs. The Lord wants to reclaim the corrupt and wash them in his blood and make them holy. And for some silly reason, he wanted a retard like me to be sitting here strumming my guitar, talking to you. I'm of the opinion that we can avoid all of all of the calamity, well, most of the calamity. We can't avoid what's already happened. And the second and third order effects, I don't think we're going to get out of those. But we can avoid the worst of it. If we just go back to believing that God is a God of miracles, God is a God of the impossible. If we just go back to believing, like, just go back and remember all these stories of all these saints who did all of these things that seem impossible. You know, like St. Joseph Cupertino, the flying friar. You know, oh, don't get him started thinking about the Virgin Mary. He's going to flood. Nope, nope, there he went. He just floated away. There's an answer to why that's a thing, by the way. It's because friends of God, the closer of a friend you are to God, the less the laws of physics apply to you. If you look at all of the, like, the laws of physics and everything we understand about biology, like the more of a friend of God you are, the less any of that crap applies. Oh, you think gravity applies? Oh, okay, cool. Oh, you think you can only be in one spot at a time? Oh, well, ask Padre Pio about that. And nobody doubts that he was a very close friend of God. And those miraculous things, those things that seem impossible, they're not testimony to anything other than the greatness of God and the closeness of the, of the friends whom he's imparted those graces upon. But we've gotten to the point where we don't believe in miracles. We don't actually believe that we should be saved. We don't even believe, that, like seriously, everybody's so, oh, well, you know, our lady's immaculate heart will triumph. Well, bro, it's got to triumph in your heart and your home first. You have to see it work in your life before you really, I mean, let's be real. Most of us have to see it like that before we really actually start to believe that she's going to triumph in a way that would be so obvious that we'd, ever, we'd all look and go, hey, that's the Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Well, newsflash. Our Lady has triumphed in my life, and she's still got a heck of a lot of work left with me, and I, I'm so sorry. I'm such a bad son. 
but I'm a good enough son to recognize that she has triumphed in my life. And because she's triumphed in my life, and it's impossible that someone like me would, would be like, really, me? Someone like me be saved? Oh, give me a break, dude. Did you see my life? Actually, no, y'all didn't. I did. I did. I was there when I committed those sins that cried out to heaven for justice. I was there for all of that. And she still laid her mantle of protection around me. Now I gotta try not to cry. This is crazy. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I was there for everything I did against God. And I saw, I see every day the list of things that he has decided to put away for me that I'm not actually supposed to spend a whole lot of time ruminating over because he's already forgiven me. And I gotta be honest with you, that's miracle enough. The things that he's done in my life, I mean, for crying out loud, I came out of prison and I'm in management at the company I work at. Like, who does that? Who does that? I've seen it work in my own life. So I believe it'll work with the world. If we just do what she asked. First Fridays, first Saturdays, pray the rosary every day. Go to Mass, go to confession. Be a good Catholic. Learn your faith for crying out loud. Study the saints, read about their lives, bond with them, and emulate them. And these are not impossible things. Catholics have been doing this stuff for 2,000 years. So if we're the first generation who can't, well, then we're definitely not evolved. Because we would be the first generation to not put out a saint. And I don't believe that's a thing. So refocus your life. Get everything in order. Pull out them beads and pray. Pray for the church. Pray for the Pope. Pray for the Curia and the bishops. Pray that we get more Athanasius Schneiders and more Joseph Stricklands. Pray that we get more Burks and Braunmullers and Mullers. Pray that we wake up more Viganos. And get out there and be Catholic for crying out loud. Quit being lazy. And pray for us in Catholic social media because I sometimes wonder if maybe we're not getting too high on our haunches also. point is, pray fast, do acts of penance, and don't worry. Believe that our Lord can do the things that he promised us. Believe that our lady can do the things that she said she would. Wake up. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.